0: first segment of KALA this week. I'm your host Bailey Winfrey. Kicking off the very first episode we'll hear from Sierra with a Recipe and Ryan with all things S A U Sporting. Before we jump into Sierra's Recipe let's do a quick roundup of what's happening on campus and around the Quad Cities this busy weekend. Kicking off homecoming tonight we have the pep rally at 7 p.m in Lee Loman Arena. Moving on to Saturday, we have the Taste of Ambrose from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the McLaughlin Commons. Kickoff for Fighting Bee football game will be at 1 p.m. at Brady Street Stadium. Moving on to alumni events, we have the Bold Reunion from 6.30 to 9 p.m. in the McLaughlin Commons. It will be $25 at the door and $15 at the door for 2020 graduates. Then we'll have the Alumni Homecoming Concert with the Symphonic Band and the University Chorale from 7 to 8 p.m. in Allert Auditorium in the Galvin Fine Arts Hall. Moving on to Sunday will be the Homecoming Mass at 1030 at Christ the King Chapel. Then, very exciting, for the Class of 2020, they finally get their Celebration Ceremony at 1 p.m. in Galvin Fine Arts Hall. KLA will also be involved with some off-campus activities this weekend. Tonight, our very own Dave Baker will be the MC of the Mississippi Valley Blues Festival. It runs from September 16th to the 17th. We are sponsoring and participating in the annual Mexican Independence Day Parade and Fiesta in East Moline. And this Sunday, we will be at third Sunday jazz concert sponsored by Polyrhythms in Bettendorf. And now we move to Sierra with her very exciting quesadilla recipe. This week on CC's Stress-Free Recipes, I am bringing you easy and budget-friendly
1: recipes for all. This week, we'll learn how to make the ultimate quesadilla. First, lightly toast your flour or corn tortilla in the oven, microwave, or toaster. For me, I prefer using corn tortillas because they have a unique flavor compared to flour tortillas. Although I prefer the flour tortillas when they are soft and buttery and I can pull them apart to pick up my food, I recommend using corn tortillas for this recipe. After you toasted your favorite tortilla, add some cheese on one side of the tortilla. Now, choosing the best kind of cheese is crucial for the meltability and flavor of cheese, so I recommend queso chihuahua, which is normally recognized as a soft white cheese that comes from the Mexican state of Chihuahua. Once you have chosen your favorite kind of cheese, melt it a little in the microwave for 30 seconds and prepare to add any toppings you like, including pre-cooked chicken, steak, cilantro, onions, sliced mushrooms, and or freshly diced tomatoes. Once you place all of your desired toppings on top of the cheese, then microwave the ultimate quesadilla for one more minute. Now this is just my preference, but I like to dip my foods in a variety of different sauces. So if you already have guac or pico next to you, then don't be shy. Give it a try. Oh, and don't forget to fold your tortilla in half on the cheese side facing up because then you can hold it better and the cheese will combine with all of your toppings in a delectable fashion. Some people make kimchi avocado quesadillas, shrimp quesadillas, and even a kale quesadilla. Whatever your heart desires, you can make it. Do you and don't let other people tell you what you can and cannot add to your quesadilla because at the end of the day, it is all yours. This recipe is only a reference to what you could make and I recommend being careful not to burn yourself while managing the food in the microwave, oven or toaster. Whenever you are hungry and looking for a quick, easy meal, I highly recommend trying this quesadilla recipe.
2: Welcome into this week's edition of the sports segment on SAU This Week. I'm Ryan Schistel. We are going to talk about soccer, volleyball, tennis, and then football this week as it is homecoming week at St. Ambrose, and the fall sports are in full swing. So starting out with men's soccer... The soccer team has dropped their fourth game so far, and really their fourth straight game, making them 1-4 on the season and 0-1 in conference play. The team is desperately in need of a win, as the men are being outscored by opponents 12-4 to for a minus-8 point differential. The men's soccer team looks to bounce back into their winning ways for the final two games of their three-game homestand. The first game of the two will be played tomorrow, Saturday, September 17th, against St. Xavier, followed by a matchup next Wednesday, the 21st, against Roosevelt. Both of these are crucial games, and they will be played at the St. Vincent's Athletic Complex. Now, I will have more updates and scores, especially in that game against Roosevelt, next week, and really against St. Xavier tomorrow on Saturday. However, I say both of these games are crucial because this team could not fall to 1-6. and six. It's so hard to get back to a winning way and especially hit a five-game win streak in soccer to at least get back to 500. Now, however, if you can win these two games and go to 3-4, and four, you're right there and you're right on the cusp of getting back to 500. Really, if you go 1-1 one and one and go 2-5, and five, sure, you're kind of in that same position but at least you're not five games back, and you'd only be three games back. Which, you know, a 5-3, not much of a difference there. But when it's early in the season, it's a lot easier to come back from three games down than it is to five games down. Now, unlike the men's team, the women's soccer team has started off on an average note. The Queen Bees of the soccer pitch recently defeated Indiana South Bend 8 to nothing on the road, and then followed up by playing Olivet Nazarene. On Wednesday. Now let's take a look at that Indiana South Bend game. Eight to nothing on the road, nonetheless. I mean eight to nothing in soccer is an incredibly high score. You know, sometimes in some games it's hard to put up three shots on goal, nonetheless to put up at least eight and score on all eight of those attempts. I'm sure the Bees took more shots than those eight too. So, really, the team was firing on all cylinders against Indiana South Bend. The women's team, like the men's team, will play tomorrow against St. Xavier at home with a kickoff time of 4 o'clock. And then the Bees will also play Roosevelt at home, but that game will be played on Tuesday the 20th instead of Wednesday the 21st like the men's team. Um, really, 2-2-1 two, two and one so far is the record of the Bees women's soccer team. And so, you know, 500, that's not bad. I'm sure they wish they could have won the game that they drew, which ended 0-0. to However, you're not going to be able to win every game. You're not going to lose every game, especially in soccer, because it is so hard to score in some of these games. And I really like the way that this woman's team is developing so far in the early season. I think they definitely have a chance to hit a hot streak here soon and really take a commanding record, especially in the conference So I think that the women's team is more likely to catch fire than they are the men's team as of right now, but I think both teams, if they do catch fire, could be dangerous for the rest of the NAIA to try to keep up with and compete. Now, the next sport we're going to talk about is women's volleyball, and the team has kept their strong season rolling. They stung the Lakers of Roosevelt on Tuesday, winning three games to one in that match. Um, I've gotten a chance to go to a few of the women's volleyball games, and I can tell you that this team is firing on all cylinders. They're seeming like they're doing everything in the correct way, and that's a big reason why their record is sitting at 11-3 and on the year, and they're 4-0 and against conference opponents. When I was at these games, I've just noticed such great communication from the coaches, from the bench players, to all six girls on the court. And really, they're never missing their hits, especially on that third hit when they're trying to kill the ball down. And so I think that's a big reason why the kills have been great. They're coming in so fast and so hard to the opponents. It's hard for the opponents to really keep up with and try to get some points back against the Bees. I remember one of the games I went to, they just took a commanding lead, the Bees did, where they were up by 10 and then they never looked back in at least two of the three games, especially... That game that I'm talking about, they swept their opponent in Trinity. So, yeah, you know what? I think this women's team has a real chance to go to the national tournament. Nonetheless, obviously, I think they're going to make the conference tournament as what I could truly see as the number one seed. I think they could really have the one seed in the NAIA national tournament if they keep the season rolling on pace like they are right now because it is such a fun team to watch. And I would truly recommend that if you've got open time throughout the season, check the dot website, the athletics website that is, and really go find the women's volleyball schedule and try to make it out to some of their games because they are fun. They get a big student section too, which makes it even more fun with the Channing. And so they look to continue their winning ways next Tuesday as they take on Indiana Northwest, the Red Hawks, at Lee Loman Arena here on the campus of SAU. And again, I will have more on that game next week. So the next sport we will talk about then is tennis, and the tennis team is also in full swing. Both the men's and women's teams are looking to improve upon their seasons. For the men's team, the Bees currently have a 3-1 record with games today against the University of Dubuque and tomorrow against Hamlin. Both competitions are being played at Davenport West High School. After winning their first two games, the women's team finds themselves in the midst of a three-game losing streak. Most recently, coming off of a five-to-two loss against Grandview, with their two-and-three record, the bees head into competition with the men's team tomorrow. tomorrow. to take on Hamlin, and the men's team starting out extremely hot. And uh, my sweet mate plays on the men's team, and I know he's talking about how well the team is playing. He's giving out a lot of their teammates, giving them a lot of credit in the wins that the bees have racked up on the men's team. And then the women's team, yes, they find themselves currently one under 500, but it's so early in the season in tennis that you can get that game back super fast right away. So I have no problem, especially with the way that these two tennis programs are playing to start out their seasons. I think they're going to have such great years. Really, I think all sports at St. Ambrose are going to have great years. Maybe with the exception of a few, just the way that their season has started or the way that, you know, the outlook going into their seasons will be, whether it's a bunch of lost members of the team that were really the stars or what have you. But yeah, you know what? I think there's nothing to truly worry about right now as a Bees sports fan. And that will bring us to the last sport we will talk about, and this is really the marquee of homecoming week, and it is the SAU football team. There is a lot you can say about this football team this year. They've had a few moments of great success, whereas they have had a few moments of just utter disappointment, especially in last week's game against Concordia, which I was on the call for here on KALA. Um. So really, let's take a look first at the past two games, uh, you know, I don't want to look too much into the past, so I will just read out the opponent that we played and the final score of those games. So in week one on September 3rd, the Bees traveled to Waldorf in Forest City. David Meyer and I went with the team to be on the call, and they lost that game 33-13, to and then last week... The Bees rolled into Ann Arbor on Friday, and then they played on Saturday at Ferry Field against Concordia Ann Arbor Cardinals. They lost that game 41-24, to and really just such a heartbreaker, because the Bees were only down 13-10 to going into halftime. And then it was just one of those games where, you know, going into half, you thought... I thought that the Bees were going to win this game. I know a lot of the players felt that way. The coaches felt that way because the Bees had some good momentum going into the half. But then all of a sudden, it was just like a blink of the eye. And all of a sudden, the Bees found themselves down by 17, 24. And they just, they had no real chance of climbing back into the game. So, so far for the statistics of St. Ambrose, the Bees have, 301.5 yards of offense with 161 rushing yards and 140.5 passing yards. The Bees also have an average of 18.5 points per game. Now, here's where you would think things are starting to get a bit iffy, but when you look at some of it, it's not too iffy, and that's looking at the stats that the Bees are giving up. So in total yards allowed per game, they are giving up 310.5 yards, but that's only 9 more yards than the Bees have put up in some of their games, so that's pretty even. Now when it comes to rushing yards allowed, they're only averaging giving up 71.5 rushing yards allowed compared to their 161 per game. Obviously, the Bees are having success running the ball, and they're having success stopping the run, and that was a big key in both games that the Bees have played Neither team's running back whether it was Concordia or Waldorf could really hit that second or third level multiple times per game. However, what is killing the Bees defensively is the passing yards. On average, the Bees are giving up 239 passing yards per game, and that is something that really needs to be fixed because they're giving up 37 points per game, and that is I don't know, something about 37 points per game allowed compared to the Bees 18.5 that just sits wrong in my mouth. I feel like the Bees are playing a lot better than it shows on paper at most points in their game. And then like I said, they're just they have moments of really making people question why the Bees are even trying to compete because they just they drop the ball for a few minutes of a game and that's when everything truly falls apart for the Bees. So in passing It was Joey Sprinkle who got the start in week one. He went down with an injury. He is yet to hit the field again. I believe, out of what I'm hearing, he might be done for the season because I've heard it is a wrist injury. Now, I don't want to confirm exactly how long he's going to be out. So, it has been Tom Casey, the junior quarterback who started last year. Tom is 29 for 45 throwing so far this year with a 64% completion rating. He has 247 yards, and he has 123.5 yards per game. Per his attempt, he's got five yards a pat for passing with two touchdowns and one interception and a long of 59 yards on a touchdown throw, which we saw against Concordia to Justin Wright, which was huge for the Bees, and he's got an efficiency at quarterback of 120.8. So he's looking good. My one issue is his interceptions... The one interception was thrown against Concordia. He was eyeing down his receiver the entire way, so the defensive backs for Concordia truly knew exactly where he was getting ready to throw the ball, which meant he had to throw it in. I believe it was triple coverage over his wide receiver's head. Nonetheless, straight to a safety that was just standing in the end zone. Now, rushing everybody who has gotten a carry for the bees has done a great. Job, especially Caden King, who leads rushers with 21 carries for 144 yards. He is the only back to surpass that 100 yard mark so far this year. He also has a touchdown on his longest run of the season for 60 yards. In his yards per game, Caden has 72 yards and he's averaging seven yards a carry. That is exactly what you want out of you're a running back and that's why i think he should be getting the most reps in every game receiving my my standout player for the bees receiving wise has been ben gilbert the sophomore wide receiver he's doing kick returns punt returns playing on offense as a receiver and he's just making plays happen when a lot of people think that they wouldn't happen. And then Justin Wright, another big-name senior wide receiver for the Bees, He has a touchdown. He has the only touchdown out of Bees true wide receivers. That came against Concordia, as I said. It was Tom Casey's touchdown pass. And then Israel Taylor, who really is a tight end, has a touchdown. And again, that was thrown by Tom Casey in the first game of the season. Now, the thing that is absolutely destroying the Bees has been special teams. In the first game, it was on extra points and field goals where Namio had some of his kicks blocked or just tipped that led to misses. That was a big issue for the Bees against Waldorf, but then that got fixed and it turned out to be the punt team as well as the kickoff and kick return teams for the Bees. Starting with punting, you know, the. Punt defense has been okay for the bees. They haven't given up any huge returns. However, on punt returns, there have been a few muffed punts. There have been a few questionable fair catches that have landed inside the bees' own 5-yard line when they could have just gone into the touchback or, you know, just making bad returns. Punts have been led by Ben Gilbert, who has 7 returns for 83 yards. A long of 20. But something is definitely going to have to change on kickoff because, oh boy, was kickoff bad against Concordia. The Cardinals of Concordia were averaging over 60 yards per return on kicks. gainer, a receiver for Concordia, has an average of 63.3 yards per return. That's what David Meyer had texted me during the game against Concordia. So that's, I don't know, that's to me, that's awful out of the kick return, or I'm sorry, out of the kickoff team. As DeGayner, I remember he had a 100-yard touchdown return right down the B's sideline, right after the B's had scored nonetheless. that took all the momentum away from the Bees. So kickoff is going to have to be fixed up a little bit. On kick return, you know, the return men in Gilbert and Crawford, they can't do too much when they're not getting blocks. I felt like every time that either Gilbert or Crawford were brought down, There were five guys tackling them, and then when I would stop watching the return men to see who wasn't blocking, it was, I felt like it was over half of the guys who should be blocking for the return men, as instead of trying to actually give a block, the return team was just trying to put their shoulder into a man on the opponent's kickoff team and just try to lay them out instead of setting a good block and giving holes for the return men, but this week, like I said, it's homecoming, it's the home opener, Against Lawrence Tech at Brady Street Stadium. Um homecoming alone should give the Bees so much energy. I remember getting off the bus against Concordia, one of the offensive coaches said there is no 0 3, there is no losing at home, and it's homecoming. There is no losing on homecoming. So, you know, the coaches are done with the losing ways. And I think it was seeing as though it's homecoming. It's the last homecoming that a lot of these seniors will ever get to play in, obviously. The bees are going to come out fiery, and I can see the bees getting the win this week against Lawrence Tech. And that is going to do it for the sports segment on this week. I am Ryan Schistel. Thank you so much for listening to the sports segment. I will be back next week with more.
0: Thank you for listening to the very first segment of KALA This Week. All content was written by Ryan Schistel, Sierra Mari, and Bailey Winfrey. Tune in next week at 4 p.m. Thank you.